Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a classic big interview. This season, we're going all the way back to 2019-2020, and we've picked out one of our absolute favourites. This is what I had to say about it back then. Let me explain to you um, how I began this chat with the world's greatest defender. As a smiling and, and pretty relaxed Virgil van Dijk, came out onto the balcony of what during the interview I'm going to describe as one of the great landmarks of the world uh, this beautiful five star hotel overlooking Lake Geneva and Lausanne as Virgil came out we haven't met before, I don't think he knew much about the big interview and I said to him we haven't asked to come and share this time with you to interview you because you're famous or because you're a Champions League winner at this series, the big interview our socios Martin, Neil and I are obsessed with football, footballers and football stories. And that's all we want. There'll be no bullshit, there'll be nothing that would make headlines. We want you to explain defending, explain your life and explain your career to us. To sit with Virgil van Dijk and talk about his tuition under Ronald Koeman, what he learned at Celtic, the emotion of the fan reception from Anfield, one-on-one defending, reading the game, accepting risk when he intercepts the ball, how to use the ball. These things came up, so did Messi, Barcelona, just about everything you need, in fact. You're about to listen to the big interview with Graham Hunter, joined, thankfully, by Dutch legend, world number one defender, Ballon d'Or candidate, Mr Virgil van Dijk. Big interview listeners, welcome to a terrace, a beautiful sort of terracotta terrace overlooking Lake Geneva. Um, one of the most beautiful spots that this interview has ever been recorded in. And we're here by the personal invitation of Mr Virgil van Dijk. Virgil, um, you're a man of class. Thank you for having us in, in general and talking to us about football, but particularly thank you for having us here. This is, this is not the worst place to work, is it? No, it's absolutely amazing. I think if you... Everyone can look at this view. Obviously, they will uh, they will love it, and it's very special to, to 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 have this interview. Obviously, with this view, there are little white boats dotting around in a sea of blue. <laughs> There's manicured trees, um, a golf course, um, but this is the way that we think 
elite footballers, elite athletes should be treated because you entertain us, you gift us a lot of fun and, and everybody who's listened to our series before knows that the first thing I'm going to ask you about is, is the art of defending. We don't run this series because the people we speak to are famous or even although many of them have been funny because they're funny. Mm-hmm. It's because of our sort of obsession with football. So if you'd accept my view that right now you've put yourself, as well as you know, lifting the Champions League and running a season in England which was record-breaking, you've put yourself, in my view, in a two-man contention for the Ballon d'Or, my view. You've done that um, because you're extremely good at your art. Start me by explaining a little bit about, given that you've played in the past up front, do you enjoy defending in itself? No mind winning... Lifting trophies, earning lots of money. Do you enjoy the the process, the psychology of defending? I do a lot, to be fair. Obviously, scoring goals is always is always great. It's always a nice feeling, especially to to celebrate it with your teammates, the fans, and everything, and think about a nice celebration and stuff. But if you you know can stop the opposition from scoring, I think that gives me a a great buzz. I think if you obviously last season we had many clean sheets and. Mm-hmm. I think at times we were just like, we were 3-4-0 up and we thought like we have to keep a clean sheet no matter what and keeps you going, keeps you, you know, like very motivated and hard on each other as well when there's one slight, you know, hiccup or, you know, slight mistake, we just get at each other and I think it just gives me and I think the rest of our defenders, you know, a great boss. You see, you've got to, you've, as you do in the pitch, you've, you've intercepted me because I know we means the team, but I knew you were talking about the unit, yeah. the boys, the four in front of the keeper and the keeper, right? You, you, you work as a little mean machine. Well, I think if you, if you look at all of us at Liverpool as a team, how we defend is from the front. And mm. uh, if you really analyse our, you know, uh, defensive tactics and... You see that those three up front, they run so much and they press like like crazy. And um, if a team managed to beat that press, then they come from behind and you have our midfield. And by any if they're by any chance they come, you know, past our midfield, then obviously we have our defensive line and, and an amazing goalkeeper as well. So you know, it's the, the defending we do is all credit to. <laughs> to the whole team and, and the way we defend. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. And if you look at, presumably, normally you're talking about Sani and Bobby and Mo. Sadio, yeah. in, in how they press and how they harass and how they uh, click with the midfielder behind them and how hard they make it for the opposition guys to think or react yeah. or maybe a s- tiny miscontrol. What they're doing allows you a lot more reading time, am I right? It does, and it does. I think it does especially make the opposition think ten times quicker than they normally have to do. So when they get the ball, they don't have the time to actually like turn up, uh, turn open, and, and have a look around where they're going to pass the ball. There's always going to be one or two guys, you know, coming at them, and they have to play the ball quick. And then the next guy have to do the same. So in the end, if they play the ball forward, it's probably a difficult ball for any for the strikers or the midfielders as well. And, makes it easier obviously for us because one of the things that, there are several things I'd like you to explain to us one of the things that really um, attracts me to your play is I've always liked the concept of risk uh, calculated risk not buccaneer cavalier no. I'll just do it but calculated risk and so often when you watch a show reel 
particularly as you've developed, I'm not saying it was always so, but particularly at Liverpool, you see things several beats before opposition players, other defenders. You come in, you read, you intercept, but you don't intercept because of your solely because of size or pace. You read it more quickly, and so often two things occur to me, and also tell me if I'm talking bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to go, nah, that's rubbish, mm-hmm. mate. Yeah, yeah, but well. when you come in and you've anticipated and you, you break through and you win the ball, one, there's often a gap between you and the player you've robbed. It's not like me and you and I've just won mm-hmm. it. And secondly, more often than not, you, you're, doing the, you're doing something correct with it. It'll be a nudge to a player, a header to a player. It's not like, right, that's clear, that I've extinguished that danger or I've extinguished the danger and put it into the stand. The next thing is the ball goes the right place. Yeah. Have well, I done, is that true? No, that's, most of the time I try to do that. I try to... I don't think um, a tackle is necessary um, or getting in challenges sometimes is necessary. I think if you manage to you know, get in the right position, I think you, know, you can win the ball a lot and you know, play on uh, when you win the ball. And I think also... You know, obviously, sometimes you have to get in challenges and you have to get tight and you have to make a slight tackle or, or, or anything like that. But what I said before, if the opposition are under pressure, normally they find no solution and try to, you know, f- find for the easy ball. And the easy ball is normally in the channel and let the striker run for it and, and ho- let them, you know, hope, hope hope to hold the ball. And so I'm, I'm most of the time I'm looking at the guy on the ball, mm-hmm. see what he. You know, try to read what he thinks, what he's going to do, what his next move is, and I think that's that's something I've developed. You know, and, and be aware, obviously, of what, what's around you. But you know, if if the guy on the ball doesn't have any eye for the you know for the striker or for for anyone close to you, or you you feel like he's not in a position to play any ball, then there's no no harm or there's no danger. The, the, the satisfaction of doing your job well, helping the team roar from the fans when you win something, win the ball, great. But is, in psychological terms, is there a personal satisfaction when you're like, I see this situation, I'm going to read it, I'm going to do this, and it comes off? You, you, it, psychologically, that's a huge, that must give you a, a massive adrenaline buzz. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the most important thing after a game is the clean sheet as a defender. And then we have a very big chance that we won the game. Mm-hmm. But if you have moments in games where you, but when it looks that you actually didn't do anything, that means that means you did a very good, you know, very good job. And I think that's a, that's a very, you know, very good good feeling. I think to, to have. When I watch you, I, I never quite with certain centre halves, certain defenders. You can tell when they like to have a real ding dong battle with the strikers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure with you I sometimes feel you're like as long as you're beating them as long as you're keeping the clean sheet and doing the job they're an irrelevance to you I don't know but in this series we've had a lot of interviews and although his quote is famous Troy Deeney was one of our interviews <laughs> and we simply as we will with you we just said to him talk about these five defenders not just you and he immediately went I mean so you've heard it but like, I hate going up against them too big too strong too quick too good in the ball loves spiting good head of hair and smells lovely too okay fine but not Troy himself but when a striker if a striker feels these things about you are you pleased or is it a complete irrelevance because there are defenders who like to go like I've done you today and then in six months when I see you again I'm going to do you again and you get in their head there's not like something in me that I want to get in strikers head at all 
I just like I just like the, to win my battle against any striker, and um, and that's what happened. Obviously, the same with, with him, and he's a he's a, he's a very English, you know, type of striker. He's very strong, um, vocal with his team. He, he, he fights for every yard on the pitch, and you know that that's difficult to play against sometimes. But you have to adapt, and I think I'm at that stage right now that I know how to adapt on on certain strikers who I'm gonna face. And we have a lot of fantastic strikers in England, so every week is a is a big challenge. And, and if it's now against Trudini or if it's like against Sergio Aguero, you know you have to adapt on it, and then you have to play your own game as well. And, uh, I'm not like that type of guy that you know talks to other strikers like you know like oh, in the, in the game or anything. But you know, I just I think you frustrate them more if you just you know, win your win your battle and, and, and don't give them any sniff basically. The details you've got about adapting for other strikers, is it all in your mind? Do you rely on the video cuts? Is it helpful to study sometimes or do you never need to do that? Well I think if I'm playing against them once I know mm-hmm. who I'm gonna face and so right now obviously the strikers that I've played last year I know almost every one of them because I've played against them at least one time I think before so you know this season will be will be the same and obviously every strike improve and will definitely want to you know do very well against me and and, and like to the other other centre-backs in in the Premier League but I want to do better as well keep improving keep you know working hard stay I think the most important thing is to stay humble as well you know work hard uh, know that you have to improve you can improve and that's why I'm definitely uh, am as well one of the things that again stands out if you take a snapshot image of Virgil van Dijk enjoying his football and helping the team because beyond defending it's you, you you use the ball regularly really well often right but equally so or to some degree left to Andy and you you, you ping balls rather like I saw Gerard Piquet doing in the 2010 World Cup when people underestimated how important it was for him to turn, switch the play, pull teams out of position, nice long diagonal ball, which you regularly do to your fullbacks. Um, first of all, does the, has the manager set the team up positionally? Do you now, they call it in Spain, automatismo, automatic things? I don't know what your Dutch upbringing was, but are you almost... Uh, subliminally aware you, you know where they're going to be that's just a natural reflex or I think when we when we play out for example there's always multiple options you have um, everyone knows basically what kind of position we have to be in and that's what we work for every 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 training almost um, so repetitive that it becomes automatic yeah definitely yeah, yeah we have we have different options and uh, you always have to create options for the guy on the ball and that's the same. When I get the ball, I want to have options there, there, and there, there. You know, left, right, and center, and, and and behind as well. And you have to you have to give each other the options. Otherwise, you you can't play basically. So that's what I know. When I have the ball, I try to find the right option because not always the option that's available is the right one. But you know, you try to find the right one, and that's what you have to do to make it a little bit easier for you for but everyone. But that diagonal pass, you seem to enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a quality of me, of, of myself. Uh, I like to give it, and I like to switch it up as well. So our fullbacks, our wingers, they like sometimes when we're on one side to, to switch to the other side because there's more space as well. So 
that's that's always gonna be there, but that's not the the option, the the, the first option I'm thinking of. Footballers sometimes don't see all this, but this is in Madrid. This is the Birds of Van Dyke song. And they're yeah. singing about the things that you talked about. One of the lines is about you passing the ball. I mean, you you were preparing for the final, so you didn't see this. You might have seen this video. I've seen it. On the day itself. Before the game. That kind of devotion is yeah. special, right? It is. And my family was at was that plaza as well, in the middle. Jumping and dancing and singing? Yeah. Do they, do they allow, are they allowed to sing along about you, yeah? Yeah, they're allowed to do anything they want, <laughs> especially that day. The reason I'm showing it, I mean, it's, I think it's an it was part of winning that title. It's so astonishing the way that the fans reacted, behaved, interacted, also the Spurs fans. But, like, when you make these passes, look at the, look at the words, you know? Watch him defend, watch him score, he can pass the ball calm as you like. Is Anfield one of those places where you're not making the passes to please the fans? I know that. But when you make these passes, Anfield is an audience that likes watching that kind of elegant football from the back, right or wrong? It is, definitely. Uh, I think Anfield is also a place for everyone that gives out 100% every day and every game and don't leave any regrets on the pitch. And that's the feeling I got from Anfield since day one. I think if you give everything you have... Uh, blood, sweat and tears basically um, and you come off the pitch and everything is you know you give everything I think everyone will definitely be there for you and cheer you on and um, obviously it's all about results in the end of the day but if you give everything then you know you can you have no regrets and uh, I think that's, that should be the the base to do because you know you, you don't only play for yourself you play for all those fans around the world all, all, everyone that's come watch you play your family and obviously for the badge, you know, as well. And so that's what I've definitely, you know, felt like from day one of signing. In the months before you signed, I was out working, um, interviewing Xavi in Qatar. And it was a, a football event. And there was a guy there who said, his name is Kate Smith, but he said, oh, I, was, I, used to play, I used to play kids football with Virginia. He said, believe me, he's going to Liverpool. Believe me. I've often wondered... Um, well, you make the decision for lots of reasons. Was, was Liverpool a special club for you when you were young? Or were you um, not so aware of them? Liverpool, well, I've obviously, I'm, I was definitely aware of them. But I had dreams to go to the Premier League, and that was the big dream. And I didn't really, like, at that time, I didn't really... Right from a kid? Well, since I was playing at the academy of, of Willem II. Willem. So it was always a dream to go to the, to the Premier League. And um, when I went to Celtic, and then obviously that dream came closer... Then I started to think about, you know, different clubs and, and Liverpool was definitely one of them. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I know that also the guy who was um, part of signing at Celtic, John Park was his name, he said he did the deal in Shiphall with your old yeah. agent and the club yeah. all at one time. And I, I asked him um, about what he saw in you originally and he said, it's this thing about, I talked about calculated risk, he said that when he was watching, he said, yeah, OK, sometimes we saw chances that went wrong, some errors, he said, but I loved his football arrogance, not personal arrogance, football arrogance. I'll do the right thing. If it doesn't happen, I'll do the right thing again, mm-hmm. and then I'll do it again. It was is that what you were doing naturally, or trying to do at Groningen when they spotted you? In other words, if I'm doing the right thing that doesn't come off, that's a risk that I, I'll accept. Yeah, like there was there was times I think at Groningen and even at Celtic at times that I did just enough. You know what I mean? So when there was a one v one sprint, and I know I was going to beat him, I just did just enough. You know, sprint that I could. You know that I could get him and obviously you know play the ball back or anything and I've learned over the years that you just have to you know give everything makes it look maybe a little bit more easier but you know you give you, you make it easy also for your teammates and that's something I definitely developed and it makes it also makes me also more concentrated in games makes me also more aware and I think less mistakes as well so do you think that the move the moves to Celtic, to Southampton, to Liverpool, that, that pressure, pressure on you, demands on you, expectations on you, have have accelerated that personal development or that learning process? I think um, the step to Celtic from Holland was such a good one, such a big one for me, uh, living abroad, um, talking English, Scottish every day. Um, Can you talk Scottish? I understand, obviously, every bit of it, of course, now. But, yeah, it was... It was such a fantastic experience for Did me. you find it testing? It was in the beginning, yeah. Um, Why? Well, I remember the first week I arrived there, looking for houses was already a thing, um, training with the group. Then uh, I made my debut against, I think it was Aberdeen away. Um, and then, as your team, my yeah, team yeah. Right, Aberdeen away, and we won, I think. So that yeah, was probably, good. yeah. That was good. Um, 
And then the, the day, a couple of days after, we went to Kazakhstan. And uh, Neil Lennon thought he was going to put me in. So I started that game on artificial grass and we lost. We lost 2-0, I think. And that was a very testing because we stayed overnight as well and I got so many bad reactions from so many you know, fans. And there was, they, were, they were right, I was poor that night. And, um, so, and then it's obviously, then it's how are you going to bounce back from that? And I remember the, the, the return game at Celtic Park because it was the final basically until you're going to be in the Champions League. Yeah. I was on the bench. Mm. And we came one nil up, 2 nil up and we scored the 3-0. So basically we were through and then the last couple of minutes I came on and we all celebrated because we, I was going to play Champions League and we were going to play Champions League and that's why that was one of the big reasons I went to Celtic as well to experience Champions League with Celtic and it was a very challenging couple of weeks at that time and after let's say three, three or four games I had, had the flow and I kept playing and kept progressing and I felt so good and obviously like um, the quality of my game kept getting better as well and yeah and after that um, the year after you know champ- becoming champions you know was was a big thing for me and you know th- th- you take it all in and and obviously the step to Southampton after this, afterwards um, working with Ronald Koeman oh, I, I do want to ask you about that because and obviously you've, you've, you've passed over Glasgow where one of our guests um, was still in Petrov Okay, the change from Bulgarian to English is different from the change from learning English in Holland to coming, but you didn't have to work in a, in a burger van like no, Stan did. No, no, no. You no. knew about that story. He told us that story that he went to work in a burger van really? to learn how, literally. Oh, he had a pal who was a supporter, and Celtic midfielder Stan Petrov would go and serve burgers oh, wow. at night I in order to be able to speak quickly in Scottish, wow. which is an extreme it method. Is. It is very extreme. But you have to respect his professionalism. I hope this doesn't sound self-indulgent, but it's just true. I was at camp now. Um, it was a game where Celtic came over and you would lose 6-1. I'm friendly with Gary McAllister, and Gary McAllister was phoned me, was working at Liverpool at the time, and he said, listen, I value your opinion. We're weighing up Andy Robertson, Kieran Kearney. We, we, we see great potential in both of them. We're not quite sure. Said, just, you know, have a look at how Kieran copes in the camp now. Mm-hmm. So it was a difficult night. And he, he didn't have a lot he could do. Yeah. But I remember phoning John Park at Celtic that night or the next morning and saying, never mind the result, Virgil van Dijk could play for Barcelona now, this week. That was my point of view. Irrespective of... And that's one of the things I'm a great devotee of listening to Cruyff was interviewed him and O'Jordi. And, and you, you don't look at the scoreline. Yeah. If, if you're looking at ideas, behaviour, risk acceptance doing the right things irrespective of what's happening around you didn't you feel at that stage not that night but when you're playing well for Celtic and you're starting to lift trophies and you learn the winning habit didn't you feel that you were already Premier League material top Premier League material as a defender or did you need what Koeman and Southampton taught you I'd like to know I think in the end how everything went has been perfect for me um, I think I felt after my second season that I was ready for the step up and that's what I've said to the club and, and in the end obviously it all happened but it wasn't that I thought like I'm ready for the top in the Premier League or no. it was just like I'm ready to play in the Premier League show myself mm-hmm. and make my dream come true because it was a massive dream for me to play in the Premier League sorry yeah, yeah. when it actually happened obviously with, with Kuman was you know 
a double plus for me because you know I wanted to work with with Ronald Koeman also for, for as long as I you know I've played for Groningen with and and, and his father was uh, he was working there and I have many conversations with him and um, yeah, and obviously Koeman is a, is, a, is a big name as well. He's a teacher, I, I think, and and I watch particularly where I have liked best his footballs when he was teaching that young Ajax side that went to Milan, nearly knocked them out. Uh, Pinar was in the centre midfield. Yeah. It, it, I believe he's a professor, he's a teacher, he's somebody who's very good at telling you how positionally you should work, systems should work, passes should work. Tell me about him teaching you. When, for example, I had a, this is just an example, for example, yeah. we had a, a passing exercise, let's say with you know, you had 10 on one side, 10 on the other side, and he, he, he would have watched me and maybe another two. He watched everyone, basically, but when we're giving 10 passes, everyone's giving 10 passes, and I'm giving nine good, one bad, and the rest give five good, five bad. He would shout at me, and you know everyone could hear it as well. And that was just you know something he he is, and he wanted to work with me so you know so bad as well. He wanted to improve me, and wanted to make me a better player, and I was so happy in the end that he did those kind of things with me. In the beginning, you're like, leave me alone. Yeah, like. The other guys, you know, five passes bad as well, and, and you're coming from me when I give one, you know, bad pass. And in the end, I got to appreciate those kind of things, and um, I just respect him so much as a as a manager, of course, but as a human being as well. And uh, I've had many conversations with him. Um, you know, still, obviously, I'm obviously now I'm the captain of, of Holland, and it just I've, I've such a great relationship with him, and he's still like. A, like a, like a coach, like a manager that, you know, when we, for example, are having boxes here and there's another box over there and he's standing there and he walks up to our box to have a look at us, then I'm really like, you know... Do everything perfect. Exactly. That's what you try to do. And that's that's something he he, he brought on. You know, he, he just give it to me. Because you couldn't have seen so much of him. No, as a peak. player, no, no. Obviously, I've seen footage online, but obviously as a... As a young guy, I don't, I don't see too much of him. No. His legend was there because yeah. of '88 and '92 yep. at Wembley with Barcelona, etc. Of course, he won the European Cup with PSV yep. as well under yeah. um, maybe Ericsson. But at least, what have you got that you, you and he share in terms of football ideas or football abilities? Are there, never mind the position, are there similarities in how you can bring the ball out? How you? Can I think he was. Uh, at that time, obviously, he played more as a sweeper, I think. Yeah. So he just, you know, he scored a lot of goals. He came in the box as well. His goal tally yeah. is extraordinary. A lot of power in his, in his, in his shots as well. But you so do maybe, too. Maybe, I got, maybe that's something that we, you got, you know, yeah, both the same. But also as a, as a leader, and I think mm. he's also, a, I think, a fantastic man-manager, player management. What we've obviously experienced right now at the national team, he uh, is very good with... You know, with talking to us, talking to the players, you know, uh, communicating personally with me when there are issues or anything. And obviously, I'm the captain, but you know, it's, you still have to do it. And it's just something that I'm really enjoying. You, um, if I'm not wrong, it, it was was it the Nations League game where part of England's defeat seemed to come from a player playing from the back in John Stones. You seem to that day look for that player look to target him knowing 
the Scouts, I suppose, how difficult it is to bring it out. You know it too. I'm not looking for any controversy, but in, say, our country, in England, there seems to be an appetite to say, don't play it from the back, don't, just don't do it ever. And one mistake, one problem, and, oh, let's abandon this. Yeah. Uh, never mind your level of success, but as a Dutchman, as somebody who's grown up in a country where that is believed in, do you find it odd or eccentric that so many people, even in the industry, not just journalists or fans, go like, don't do this? Yeah. Well, when things are not going well, you, you want to. Ch- everyone wants to change things. You know what I mean? But sometimes you have to trust the process. Um, there are. We try to play out from the back a lot of times. A lot of times, Man City does it. Um, at the national team, we try to. We try to do it, obviously. You know, there's a, there's a risk of um, that doesn't go well. And that night, um, we practice a lot on you know pressing pressing the opponent from 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 goal kicks, especially because we know that England obviously wanted to play out. We've mm. seen it obviously um, in, in, in the, on the footage, and uh, we know also that they have players that we can press. Um, and at, what I said before, we we, we trained it the, the days before and. For us, obviously, was was very good that it worked out in the end. Hmm. Um, we have um, we have socios. Liam McLaughlin is one of them. Um, I, this probably is a quick question that asks for a little bit more detail. He says, "Hi Graham, um, hi Virgil. Um, as a Celtic fan, could you ask Virgil what he values the most from his who or what he values the most his time at Celtic in terms of your development? What?" what would it be a person would it be a thing at Celtic that you value the most I think it would just be the whole you know the whole transfer to Celtic I think the city uh, Gromi uh, the players that Neil Lennon was there obviously to to, to also learn me more about the English culture uh, Scottish culture that yeah, time, yeah. obviously like the British mentality yeah. and, but also the way of playing I remember in one of the first games and maybe I don't know I don't know the team again maybe Ross County or something and we put him under pressure at Celtic Park, and it was one of my first games there, I think. And um, I remember that, you know, I wanted to push up, and then I forgot that when they have no option, they just ball in the channel, and I was like, and then he kept running, and I was like, you have to really adapt on that and, and be ready for those balls, and that's something I've learned. And but I think the, I think everything has just been been so good for me, and the fans obviously have been. It was special to me those European nights. Um, those, oh, you know, you can't describe it. And obviously to experience those nights at Liverpool because they're, they're quite similar. You know, that's just just something you want to play for. And it's nice to be loved, isn't it? It is fantastic to be loved. <laughs> yeah. Who's the toughest opponent you've ever come up against? Full stop. I would say Lionel Messi. He is, if not maybe the best player in the history of football. I think. But what I've obviously I've seen him play live uh, the other for the other guys I, I can't really you know say too much but um, he's doing it so consistently as well and um, you have to respect that and it is such a difficult strike because he's so small and he is maybe 60 percent of the whole game he's walking around and wait for the right obviously when they win the ball and then he's he's off and yeah he's He's a fantastic striker. Talking about respect, we said we respect our timescale. We're kind of running out for the oh, pre-allocated yeah. timescale. You've just thrown in Leo Messi. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll permit me to 
to have a long section to close. <laughs> you talked about your, the enjoyment of my two part to this question before we finalise. That night, that night, I, I, Matt knows, I recorded a video from Camp Now. I live in Barcelona. Yeah. I spent years watching them. I said, can anybody send me an answer as to what just happened? Because I'd seen what I thought was tiny errors aside, brilliance from Liverpool. I thought that the performance probably was a 5-2 win for Liverpool. Something of that order. And he'd lost 3-0. Yeah. How the hell did you process that experience? Because it, it wasn't in any way sane, it wasn't justice. No. It, I've never in my life seen anything like that. Yeah, I said, I said exactly the same after the, yeah, after the game. I went to the mix zone and everyone obviously was asking me questions like, what now? And um, I, said, I said to everyone, like, I felt strange. Um, we lost 3-0. But obviously the first goal was a uh, I could have done better there, but second goal, the third goal, yeah, it happened. And the way we played, the way we pressed them, the way we put them in so much problems. And I think at one point, 20 minutes in, into the game, I look behind me, I see Suarez and Messi just on hands on their knees and, and tired. And they were out of breath. Yeah, because we put them under so much pressure. And uh, I don't think there was, you know, too many teams that did that, especially over there. And yeah, it was. It felt strange, and uh, we were all pretty calm. Obviously, we were very disappointed that we lost 3 0 because you have to be realistic if you want to come back for a 3 0 defeat against you know a team that has one of the best players, if not the best player in the world. Then um, you need a miracle. And when we came back, we played Newcastle, I think, in, in the weekend. That was a very tough game. Three, two, three, four, two three, in the last, three, two, last, last yeah. two minutes of the game, and, uh, and after that, full focus was on, on Barcelona. And I think Bobby was out. Bobby was out. He was. Yeah. Who was out? Uh, Mo was out. Bobby and Mo. Bobby, yeah, Bobby, Mo, yeah. Bobby and Mo were out. And yeah, obviously, you 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 want to give everything on the pitch. You want to. What I said already, you want to have no regrets on the pitch. You're gonna go for it, and to score the one 0 after I don't know 34 minutes. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. And to go one 0 half time. And everyone at halftime said, you know, boys, we can do this. It's there. We can do this. And obviously in the end then, when Genie scored those two goals, and Diff with the, with the famous corner, then, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. 1956, the whole Ballon d'Or thing is launched. I'm not asking you to advertise. <laughs> I would vote for you, and I think Messi's the greatest footballer ever. How can it be that only two defenders in the entire history of that award... Beckenbauer and Cannavaro have won it. What has happened to our appreciation of the art of what you do? Do you, do you have any explanation for that? I have no explanation for that, no. Um, I can only, you know, talk for right now and that people are putting me in the, in the, in the bracket to win. Yeah. The Ballon d'Or is obviously a massive honour. Um, Would you vote for you? Well, you have to back yourself, isn't it? That's Thank you. Big. I'm going to phone Messi and I'm going to ask him. <laughs> and when I get the message, I'm going to send it back to you because I think he'll probably see it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if, if you don't back yourself, no one will. So, yeah, we'll see. If the people are already talking about it, it's, it's, it's such, a, such a great honour. And the only thing I can do is to work hard, stay humble and, and, and keep improving. You've convinced me. You've got my vote. Wow. <laughs> the Scottish jury. <laughs> Listen, man, thank you. It's been a joy.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.